Welcome to Fortress of Faith with Tom Wallace, calling North America to repentance and revival. Today I want to talk to you about these claims that we hear from people that the Muslim world has brought to us many great scientific advances, uh, that they've, you know, they've brought the world enlightenment, that they have... Uh, given us innovation and um, technology and scientific discoveries, and we are indebted to the Muslims as a result of what they have done. Well, today we're going to take a look at the truth on this. We'll expose the truth and the lies on that, and we'll probably have to take two different uh, days to cover this, but um, we'll jump into that today. Oh, back in 2009, Obama was singing this from this song sheet, singing the praises of Islam. Remember his first foreign tour as the president of the United States? He went to uh, Egypt and also to Turkey. In Egypt, he spoke at the Al-Azhar University. And, and I'm reading from the transcript. Um, it says, as a student of history, this is Obama speaking, as a student of history, I also no civilization's debt to Islam. It was Islam at places like the Al-Azhar University that carried the light of learning through so many centuries, paving the way for Europe's renaissance and enlightenment. It was innovation in Muslim communities that developed the order of algebra, our magnetic compass, and tools of navigation, our mastery of pens and printing, our understanding of how disease spreads and how it can be healed. Islamic culture has given us majestic arches and soaring spires, timeless poetry and cherished music, elegant calligraphy and places of peaceful contemplation. And throughout history, Islam has demonstrated through words and deeds the possibilities of religious tolerance and racial equality. Well, we talk a lot about that part of the Islamic claim, that Islam practices pluralism, that we allow tolerance and, and equality of the religions and faiths and so on there. And we know that's a big lie. But let's look at this statement that, you know, we can, we're in debt to the Islamic world for the advancements and the things that they have given the world. Okay, well, uh, let's look at some of the facts. And we've got to go back in history here uh, to kind of bring the story into light. Now, first of all, you need to realize that the Islamic world, during the days of Muhammad, he died in the year 632. So we're talking 7th century. Um, most Muslims in the world... Even Muhammad himself couldn't read or write. The, the Arabic, uh, the, the written Arabic really wasn't formulated yet. There was an early version of it, a Kufic script. And um, even before that, during Muhammad's time, uh, before the, you know, the Quran was actually, what we know of the Quran today, uh, was written in Kufic, which was written about 150 years after Muhammad. That's another story. We've talked about that on our program before. If you want more information about the development of the Quran, go to our website, fortressoffaith.com. And by the way, everything I'm talking about today will be posted on our website, fortressoffaith.com, where you can do research on what we talk about. 
But um, during Muhammad's day, they used a Nabataean script at that particular point. There were no um, vowels yet in the Arabic alphabet at this point. And so the earliest Quran should be without vowels. Okay, but this is why we say the Qurans that they're producing to us to be the earliest ones have vowels in it. Well, the vowels didn't come in until the Kufic script, which is about 150 years after Muhammad. Uh, it's not hard to date these things. You can it doesn't take a lot of uh, effort to try to figure some of this stuff out. But but anyhow, that's another story. I don't want to get bogged down on it. So the, the point that I want to make, though, is that Muhammad, even Muhammad himself, couldn't read or write. And many Muslims couldn't read or write. They didn't have a society at that time that produced scholarship books and and many things like that. Now, Muhammad was wealthy, and so he hired a scribe, Talib, who did his reading and writing for him. And so there were some people who had some skill, some knowledge, but this was never pushed in the Islamic world. But 100 years after Muhammad had died, about 130 years after, we had the, the beginning of the Abbasid Caliphate. Now, the Caliphate is the ruler, the, um, um, the king. You know, he's, taken, he's the replacement of Muhammad, okay? And uh, Abu Abbas, which is where we get the name Abbasid, the Abbasid Caliphate, moved its headquarters from Syria, the previous caliphate was in Syria under the Umayyad dynasty. And when they came to a close in the year 750, the Abbasids took over and they moved it up to Persia. Now, Persia was a fairly developed area. Let me read to you what one of the caliphs of the Abbasid dynasty, who had a Persian mother, here's what he said so you understand uh, the differences between the Arab culture and the Persian culture that was ruled by the Arabs, by the Muslims by this time. He said the Persians ruled for a thousand years and did not need us Arabs even for a day. We, we have been ruling them for one or two centuries and cannot do without them for an hour. See, these people, the Persians, their culture was so well developed and enriched with knowledge and understanding. They were educated they were um, they could read or write. They had a written language for a thousand years prior to uh, the Arabs. And so this influence had awakened the Muslim world when they when the Abbasids moved their Khalifa, their caliphate to that region. And so it launched them into what is referred to as the Golden Age of Islam. And so, therefore, this notion that, um, that this is where the, you know, the what we call the apologist of Islam, when they try to sing the praises of Islam, that we should be thankful for them and their developments of science and technology and innovation... Um, it all points to this short period of time. And it's actually a period of about 70 years. Now, the whole caliphate, the Abbasid caliphate lasted uh, from the year, let me get back to my notes, uh, starting the year 750 and went to the years 1258. That's 508 years. But the pretty much the real end 
the spark of the end of the golden age. And I'll talk more about that in tomorrow's broadcast as to what brought its downfall. But their innovation, their embracing of critical thinking, of scientific thought, of uh, reasoning, and things that were unfamiliar to the Arab world, as they embraced the Persians and the, their knowledge, they started embracing these things, and it did launch them into a small period of time, which is about 70 years, of what we call the Golden Age of Islam. Now, you heard the list of some of the things that President Obama had credit, you know, accredited uh, to the Muslim world. Um, let me give you more. Uh, Toby Huff, a professor of Cambridge, has written, he said, in virtually every field of endeavor, in astronomy, alchemy, mathematics, medicine, optics, and so forth, the caliphate scientists were in the forefront of scientific advance. And here's things that he gives credit to them for, for inventing, for discovering. And can you imagine what our world would be like if we didn't have these things? According to these scholars, uh, that's, uh, they're trying to tell us today that the Islamic world brought us water pumps, that they brought us the discovery of wind power, of windmills. And this is how, you know, we, we, we milled our grain and, and uh, we can be thankful for the discovery, uh, thankful to the Muslims for this discovery. They brought us paper making from linen. They brought us gunpowder. They brought us glasses, optics, for goodness sake. They brought us, in fact, the very first, according to scholars today, they're telling us, the BBC put out a documentary in 2015, the first true scientist, the world's first true scientist, was a Muslim, Al-Khalili. They're in Baghdad during this golden age period of Islam. And we can thank the Islamic world, for Al-Batani, who discovered that the earth is on its axis. And, of course, the great discovery of that heating and lighting oil, kerosene, discovered by Razi, which is mentioned in the book Kitab al-Asra. Well, tomorrow when we come back, because I'm not going to be able to cover all this in today's broadcast, we're going to find that um, these claims are fallacious. They're lies. Well, actually, let's just quickly go through it. I think I've got time. Water pumps. So it came in the ninth century with this golden age, right? No, the Egyptians were using water pumps in uh, 2,000 years before Christ. The Greeks, we have knowledge of Greeks using them in 200 B.C., about 900 years before the Muslims here. Windmills. Now, windmills, yes, were largely discovered in China and Persia in the 6th century. So about 100 years before the Muslims took over Persia, windmills were there. But they want to take credit for it? No, sorry. They were already there before the Muslims. Paper making from linen. No, the Chinese have claimed to that in the 1st century. Gunpowder. Nope, sorry, Chinese, uh, I think there's a tremendous amount of evidence that that's the Chinese, folks. Seventh, same year, same time, 7th century. And no doubt it was used by Muslims because it was used in the first Crusades. This was during that time period as well, that Muslims were using gunpowder. 
So they had access and knowledge to it, but they didn't create it. And for optics, I'm sorry, it was the Greek uh, Eculid, 300 B.C., who discovered optics. And the first true scientist in the beginning of the scientific method. Uh, now, Fox, of course, the British um, uh, scientist would be given credit for uh, really developing the scientific method that, that is known in practice today. But I think it's uh, the credit doesn't go to Al-Khalili, goes rather to the Greek scholars of Aristotle and Archimedes in 200 to 300 B.C. And the earth being on its axis, well, the Chinese choose a Chuli should get credit of that back in 1100 B.C. And if it was Razi, the Muslim in Persia that invented kerosene, then how do we explain that the Chinese were using it in the year 1500 B.C.? They were distilling the oil. They didn't have the name kerosene, but it was the same same stuff that they were burning. So, folks, um, what we have is fallacious claims here. Uh, certainly, I think there's evidence that they use these things. They, it, you know, might have um, brought a little bit of development and enhancement to some of these things, but they certainly aren't the ones who invented them, discovered them. They just simply used them. During this small, short period in the Islamic history, these 70 years of the golden age and tomorrow when we come back to the corner of truth and courage we'll talk more about what they really could lay claim to what's the truth about all this thank you for joining us god bless you